Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex, flying solo on this week's episode. Uh, my co-host, Parker Fleming, he was on the locker room app with Nathan Chester arguing over Andrea Bargiani, Jaron Jackson Jr. comparisons, and which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Sorry, Nate. It's still super dumb, even after listening to your conversation. But I digress. I don't want you to run away thinking Nate Chester's on this show. He's not. I promise. My guests are much more rational and logical, and I'm excited to talk Grizzlies basketball with them. But just giving you the explainer, Parker is not with me this week on this episode. It's all Joe all the time. And, of course, my two wonderful guests who I'll introduce here momentarily. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow myself on Twitter, if you so choose, at Joe Mullinax. You can follow my co-host, Parker, who, again, won't be with us on this show, but he'll be back next week at Paca underscore Flocka. And, of course, you can follow the blog that I am fortunate enough to be the site manager for, that Parker is the associate editor for, at SBN Grizzlies. That would be grizzlybearblues.com. We're going to jump right in with, again, two of my favorite folks on Grizzlies Twitter. They are, they're similar to me, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that here in a moment, in terms of the come-up uh, being very organic. These, these two ladies have worked very hard and have gotten everything that they've gotten because they've earned it. Uh, it, it's been impressive watching their work grow and develop over the years. And like I said, I, I relate to them because I feel like we had similar similar origin stories and ways uh, in terms of starting uh, in non-media traditional ways and having the opportunities that we do now. So without further ado, I want to welcome Ms. Shy Brown and Ms. Amy Stegemeyer. And I, I know I'm Stegemeyer. I always mess it up. I apologize, Amy. I even asked you before the show. I, I'm just terrible with names. I'll, I'll let you correct me here in a minute. Um, Amy, you can follow on Twitter at Hoop City Hellcat, and then Shy, you can follow at Sharon Shy Brown. They both write for the Flyer Grizz blog over at the Memphis Flyer. They do great work there. Ladies, how are y'all doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. And Sharon, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. And thank you both again so much for for coming on the show. I appreciate you guys. And and like I said, I, I've been doing this. I I probably joke about it too much now. I've been doing it for a long time, and I know you guys have too. I'm just curious, and, and Shy, I'll lead off with you on this. As you've watched this team transition from grit and grind and you know the stuff that got me into the Grizzlies all the way back in 2011 now to now being in this second opportunity to be in the play-in tournament, obviously it was just a play-in game last season in the bubble, but now it's going to be a play-in tournament for these young Memphis Grizzlies what is it like for you? Is it, does it make it different? Does it make it, you know, does it bring back memories that, you know, postseason basketball is coming back watching this young team play uh, shy. Th- does it really kind of conjure any of those old feelings or is this a, a separate set of circumstances? Well, I mean, it's, it's basically for me, it's Grizzlies basketball and it's just like the team seems like it has the same attitude as the old team where people are underestimating them, their value and what they can do. And then it's just like, it seems like they are out to prove people wrong. And I think they have done that the past two seasons, you know, even though like um, it was a little, you know, a little, um, how, how can I put it? I don't know how to put it a little iffy, you know, lately, but it just seemed like they had that same fight as the old grid and grind teams where it just seemed like they have the same mindset. So to me, it's the same, but it's just like we have like 
more flashier summers and more flashier than what the grit and grind was. You certainly have a superstar in John Morant that you didn't have with the grit and grind Grizzlies. No disrespect to Mark or Zebo or, or Mike or TA. I know everybody loves them, but they did not have the superstar potential that John Morant does. But obviously, Jaw is much younger than those guys were. And I wonder sometimes if that's part of the disconnect when it comes to this plan. But we'll talk more about that in a moment. Amy, I want to get your take on that idea as well. Because, again, you've been around for a while. You've written about the Grizzlies for a while, as has Shy. I'm curious as to your perspective as Memphis technically prepares for postseason basketball. Again, it's it's not a full playoff series yet, but they're going to be in the mix to try to get into the playoffs through this play-in tournament. Is it the same? Is it different? Is it a combination of both for you? For me, it's a little of both. Um, obviously, I, I, I feel like this is this is a new evolution of Grizzlies basketball. Um, there are um, there are a lot of a lot of similarities in, in, you know, in the attitude and also in some of the style of play, but we also have now um, a real star player. And like you said, no, no, no disrespect to, to any of the core four, but John Morant is a whole different kind of basketball player. Um, And, you know, he's 20 years old. He's still got quite a bit of time to uh, to peak, and I, you know, for as as much as I love the the whole grit and grind era, as much as I, you know, love Mike Conley, when I like I like seeing him prosper. Um, I'm glad he's able to be a part of this, you know, Utah team and look like they may actually make some postseason noise. Um, there's never been uh, the Grizzlies have never had a, a, a player of the, of the caliber of of John Morant ever. Um, no, you're exactly right, and I do think it's important to point out that the difference between the core four. What made them so special was that they they were almost like a great rock band, right? Or or maybe a better comp given Memphis would be like a. Uh, an old town, an old Motown quartet. You know what I mean? Like they, they just all were, they played in such harmony together uh, in terms of the way that their games complemented one another. And, and there's some truth to that in Memphis too, but John ja Morant is the, the undisputed, you know, superstar alpha of the team. There's no denying that. And I think folks can appreciate that when they see it, we're talking with shy and Amy of the Memphis flyers beyond the arc blog. Uh, there's some folks that have, Come along from uh, GBB, like Kevin Leip, who went and wrote for the Beyond the Arc blog once upon a time, Chris Harrington before him. And then, of course, these two wonderful ladies have done great work at Beyond the Arc as well. Make sure you're giving them a follow. Shy is at Sharon Shy Brown. And then you have Amy at Hoop City Hellcat. Uh, they do terrific work. If you don't already follow them, you most certainly should be. Otherwise, you're not, you don't know as much about the Grizzlies as you possibly could. Uh, this play in idea guys it's it's an interesting one to me because the grizzlies are very much still in that just happy to be here phase at least they should be and you can tell the front office is still handling things in that manner Uh, i know that frustrates fans Uh, i've i've tried to point out and maybe it's the way that i deliver the information (laughs) it's maybe i'm the problem here i'm the common denominator and all these angry fans that yell at me uh but it's 
this is nothing has changed in terms of the way the organization has approached this season. It's been pretty constant. The rest being very, very cautious with injuries, Jaron not playing on back to backs. You know, it worked out in the Dallas game, but there were certainly other times where they probably could have used, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. or DeAnthony Melton or, you know, insert injured player here. The fact that Justice Winslow played as much as he did, and we'll talk about him more in the next segment. But, you know, I would argue that they needed to see what Justice Winslow was, and people automatically said, oh, you just love Justice Winslow. Why do you like this player so much? It had nothing to do with liking Justice Winslow as much as it did. I understood what they saw this season as, and they needed to know what they had in Justice. So, Shy, I'm curious. When you look at this Grizzlies team, they've been inconsistent. You alluded to that in your previous answer. You know, the last few weeks have been, you know, top-heavy in terms of the roller coaster emotions that Grizzlies Twitter goes through whenever there's a game uh, wins and losses are, are like the end or the start of a brand new world. I'm curious. Do you think that if this front office say they didn't even make a trade, but they, you know, they punted on justice Winslow earlier, they let Jaron come back sooner and in risk, at least in their mind, furthering the injury. And there is evidence. Christoph Porzingis is a great example of that with his knee soreness that he's still having issues with. It's the reason he didn't play uh, against the Grizzlies on Tuesday night. They're being overly cautious, and they are certainly accumulating data on these players. Do you think if they had handled this like a team that was truly trying to maximize this season, what seed do you think they would have been? Do you think they still would have been in the play-in tournament, or do you think they'd be one of the top six teams in the West? Because I don't see, in my opinion – I don't think that they are four or five games better if they had gone all in on this season without making some massive trade. I think they're still in a similar spot than they are now. Am I wrong for thinking that, Shy? Well, I mean, it's just like there are certain games that if they would have won, they could be like right now five or six if they had won those games. But my thing with the justice situation, I don't mind by them testing him out trying to see what he can do. But to me, it seemed like they did it at the wrong time. When you're fighting for a play-in, you have fans happy and things of that nature, you let it go on too late in the season and for too long when obviously it didn't work having him to be out of his position, really. You know, so um, like some key games that they, you know, lost, that they should have won, and, you know, they lost by one point, things of that nature, they could very well be, like, um, six or seven maybe right now, you know, as I look at look at, look at at those games. And then I just, you know, if Jaren – I don't – I think they shouldn't have let Jaren come off the bench for so long. But, you know, who am I? They did what they thought was best, but I think when fans, you know, got pretty mad I guess just say this experiment is over and I'm so glad it's over you know I think you make a fair point about the the Jaron Jackson Jr. coming off the bench thing I I understand that they wanted him to play some more center like that that's kind of the the way that I took it a lot of his minutes when he was in that reserve role were coming in for Jonas and that went along with the data accumulation idea but you still could have gotten to that through starting Jaron you know, you could have just had oh. Kyle come in or you could have had uh, Grayson or whoever it may have been, more than likely Grayson. You could have had that guy come in 
assuming health, and then Jaron just slide down to the five and Jonas be that first sub. Like that would have been relatively simple to do and still had Jaron start. So I think I'm with you on that. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I do think justice they had to know. You know what I mean? And, and Amy, again, we'll talk more about justice in the second segment uh, in terms of what we think his future will be. But I'm curious as to your answer to that same exact question, Amy, if you if you had approached this season as a win at all costs, get Jaron back on the floor as soon as you can, get Justice back on the floor, see him play for five or six games instead of the 22 or 23 that he played, and say, oh, Justice doesn't have it, and pull him off. Although, in fairness to Coach Jenkins, Justice had some good games early on. You know, everybody conveniently forgets that, uh, that game where he had the famous speech after the game and saying the trade was the best thing that ever happened to him and all that stuff, Chris Vernon and others. And, and I mean, it's not just Chris Vernon. I'm just using him as one example, you know, talking about how this is the Justice Winslow they traded for. And, and then two months later, they're holding up free Tyus signs. So it, it's funny how things can turn and pivot pretty quickly. But at the same time, just going back to my original question, do you think that if they had prioritized winning at all costs, their record would be that much better? I, I understand Shai's point. Maybe three or four games would be better, but I don't. If they were three or four games better, I don't necessarily think that puts them outside of the play-in. Maybe it makes them a solid seven or eight instead of fighting for that eight seed. I guess my, my point, Amy, is I don't see them being that much better situation-wise if they had gone all in on this season. I don't think that they would be. Um, and if you think about the, uh, the losses that they've had that have been the most frustrating have been the, consistently inconsistent. Um, they have, you know, I've, I've been on my soapbox about free throws all season. Um, that and, and just careless ball handling, um, too many turnovers and not, um, not really playing focused basketball. Um, they, you know, not being able to maintain a lead and, and keep it. So when you get to, you know, games like Dallas and uh, and the one in Orlando where, you know, you've got a guy who, who hits a, you know, a, a random buzzer beater, like those games sting, but they sting for two reasons. One, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sucks to lose. And two, there was no, no reason for the Grizzlies to put themselves in that position in the first place. And had they not, had they not, you know, been too careless with the ball? Had they not missed 11,000 free throws? You know, <laughs> had they not had, you know, somebody get, you know, in, in foul trouble early in the game and not be able to be in for crucial minutes? Had they not had, say, you know, a whole bunch of wasted possessions when guys who obviously are not shooting well that evening still trying to jack up shots? you know, four seconds into the shot clock, I'm looking at you, Dolan Brooks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I don't, those are all things that are kind of growing pains. And they're part of this team growing organically, you know, as, as a team who could, who could be a serious playoff contender. I don't necessarily think that that's, you know, 
that, you know, obviously that wasn't the goal this season. Um, I think it's a nice byproduct. Um, I did get some flat last season um, before um, Rona shut the whole world down um, for saying that I didn't think that, that the playoffs should be a goal. And a lot of people took that to mean that I didn't think that they should, that they should, you know, play to win. And that's not, it's not at all the same thing. Um, You know, if, if you have decided, okay, well, one of my, you know, one of the goals for the team through the end of the season is to win, you know, win the most to at least get, uh, you know, to get the eighth seed as opposed to doing the thing that they're kind of doing this season where they, you know, they get guys, they want to see what they have in, in various players. Um, so it was kind of an added bonus and I didn't feel like the, uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think the, the reward would be worth the risk of potential injury to, you know, at that point be a, a, a first round out to the Lakers. Um, I didn't really want to see that. Now, obviously, the whole world has changed since then. Um, and they've added this, this play-in thing. And last season, I, I'm sorry, there's, you, you will never convince me that they didn't decide to do this um, for the bubble season for the express purpose of giving the Pelicans and Zion Williamson a chance to be in the playoffs because Zion missed, you know, almost the entirety of the season. And I get that. That sucks. However, that was kind of a, um, I don't know, the, the, the optics on that weren't great. Um, and turns out it didn't really matter much anyway. Right. Uh, and as far as this year goes, I think the idea of the play-in tournament where you have um, the final two seeds um, at stake in this way, I think under normal circumstances, it's an interesting idea. I think in the current reality that we're in now, where you already have um, – it's an abbreviated season – they put a lot of games in a short period of time. The Grizzlies, especially um, in the second half of the season, uh, you know, here in the last couple of weeks, they haven't gone more than a night off in between games. Um, and if you look uh, kind of across the league in aggregate, there's, you've seen a lot more serious injuries, season-ending injuries um, that guys have suffered and I think a lot of that has to do with the way that they've condensed the season and tried to push more, more of these games in one space. And then, you know, you have the team to like Grizzlies missed a number of games um, that had to be rescheduled for uh, health and safety protocols. Um, it's, it, it's a good, it's a good idea when, when things are normal. Um, but you know, all, all that being said, I'm I'm not going to complain. Um, I'm certainly going to watch it, and it's um, it's it's kind of a nice bonus to see. Um, do I think that there's any possibility 
that they are anything more than a first round out if they manage to get through the play-in? No, probably not. And that's fine too, you know. They're so playing with house. Let me interject. Please go ahead. I was, looking back, I was looking back at the standings. Okay, so like there are like four or five games the Grizzlies could have won, right? So sure. if they won those four or five games, they would be like five or six right now. For the simple fact is the record with Portland and Dallas is forty and twenty nine. Say for instance, if they had won against the Knicks, you know they blew that game. They had a one against Dallas, you know, with Lucas Lucas's shot. And they had a one against uh, Orlando that time. They had a one against the Pistons, or if they won against the uh, L.A. Clippers when they didn't have, like, their stars. Those five games would have put them in, like, uh, five or six at this moment right now, how the schedule, how the standings are right now with the records. Those are five games they could have won. If they have, would have kept the lead, things of that nature, or took it seriously, they would have won. They will be five or six right now. Sure, but I think it's important to play that same game for a team like the Lakers, right? Like, or or the you know having LeBron be out as many games as he has, or Anthony Davis. Oh or, yeah, yeah we, say, like, but it's just like that's there's a difference for with that situation because that was like an injury thing. But I'm talking about games that the Grizzlies should have won. They should have won right. those games. Okay. So they you're not necessarily playing the the roster no, game as much as they just could have played no, better in those they, individual games. Right. They they, okay. they had chances to win those games. They blew the lead in some of some of them and some of them they didn't take it seriously. What I'm saying, had they won those games, they would be five or six. I mean sure. it's on them, you know, that it happened, but that was a possibility that they could be five or six right Sure. And I do think that that is a byproduct of being a young team. And that inconsistency cool. is certainly going to make sense. They're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. Their best player, or at least the guy who's supposed to be their best player, uh, you could argue Jonas and Kyle have been better this year. But the guy who stirs the drink is John Moran. There's no denying that. Nobody's denying that. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're best or most important, maybe, is the right way to put it, player, is 21, you're going to have those inconsistencies night in and night out, especially at the point guard position. I shouldn't have to tell Memphis Grizzlies fans, and I'm certainly not telling you guys. I know you two know. But anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know, point guards can take a little bit of time to develop. Uh, if, if you get too impatient, you almost trade them for Ramon Sessions, like, uh, like folks wanted to do with Mike Conley back in the day. Uh, we're finishing up here with the wonderful ladies of the Memphis Flyers Beyond the Arc blog, Shy and Amy. Make sure you're following Shy on Twitter at Sharon Shy Brown. Amy is at Hoop City Hellcat. And I'll get you guys out of here on this. It's on the GBB Live question of the day. Uh, we talked a little bit about him earlier. Considering all factors, uh, just, you know, the front office, his level of play, you know, let's just say the Grizzlies do exactly what their seeding will say they should do. And what do I mean by that? Let's say they get to the eighth seed. And they make the playoffs. Let's say they get to the eighth seed. They they win the second play-in game. They lose to the Lakers, whoever it is that's the seven. And then they knock off Steph or the Spurs in that second play-in game. And they're the eighth seed. They lose to the Jazz or the Suns. I think it'll be the Jazz. And they're out of the playoffs in the first round. That would be what they're expected to do at this stage if they win the play or they're part of the play-in tournament and they have success. It's the off season, okay? I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but 
after what you've seen from Justice Winslow, and, and Shai, I'll start with you on this. After you've seen what you've seen from Justice Winslow, and again, you have to consider the front office clearly values him, right? As much as Grizzlies fans may be out on him, the front office is not. Like the coaching staff might say, hey, he doesn't have it this season. We're kicking the can down the road. But we know the front office values him. Uh, Shy, how confident are you that Justice Winslow will be on the opening night roster for the Grizzlies when next season starts? Are you very confident, somewhat confident, not too confident, or do you think he's gone? Well, I'm just going to uh, be honest. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to say I don't know. <laughs> You're pushing. I, I understand. Yeah, but what I wanted to say is, it's just like with justice or whatever, with me, like I was telling people, it's not his fault that he was put in an unwinnable situation at the end of the season. That It wasn't his fault. I know that they needed to see this, that, and the other, but my thing, I just question why wait until the end of the season, then I think that Justice needs a full training camp and his role needs to be defined on what he's going to do with the team because he was out of his position, you know, trying to be run point. It didn't work. And I don't even know why they tried it, but this neither here nor there. But I think he just need a – I think he needs to heal properly because I don't think he's always healed or whatever. And he hadn't played basketball in a long time. And I just feel like we just shouldn't give up on him now because the situation, look at what happened with Kyle Anderson and look what happened with Vince Carter, you know, like uh, Peter and Anthony was talking about on their show. Um, you know, it took them those people a minute to heal, like two years or whatever, and both came back playing out of their minds. I just think Justice needs to heal, and I think he needs to get his confidence back up because he's still a good basketball player ball player. You know, it's just like he missed shots that he should have made, you know, and I just think his confidence is down. But I really think that they should give him another chance. And fans just can't blame him for things that went wrong. But Memphis Grizzlies fans and sports fans everywhere, as Keith Paris of Fast Break Breakfast pointed out last week on the show, uh, that's very much a sports fan thing to do is find those scapegoats. But you're exactly right, Shai. I'm on your side in terms of what he is as uh, a key part of what the Grizzlies front office at least sees. And it's a terrible time to get injured. It's a terrible time to have those problems in the middle of a pandemic. I think we lose that context, which is so fascinating to me. Maybe the subject of another podcast, we, we dive back into the sport that we love or that we follow, we cover whatever. And it's almost so much of an escape that we forget about the pandemic that's going on around us, even though it's probably on the, the ending stages over these next few months, it's still very much occurring. And obviously that's impacted Justice Winslow. Uh, Amy, we'll get you out of here on the same question. The idea being how confident are you that Justice Winslow is on the opening night roster? I'm somewhat confident. I voted for somewhat confident. I think that he will be there. The leading vote getter was not too confident. And over 70% of the voters think that Justice Winslow is gone uh, in some way, shape or form. Either they think he's gone or he's definitely gone. How are you feeling about that question, Amy? At this point, I think it's kind of 50-50. I think it could go either way. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't think I would be disappointed and I wouldn't be upset either way. Um, I don't think that there's a whole lot of, I mean, there, there's no real downside to saying, okay, you know, this year was, was kind of a wash for, for many reasons. Um, there's, you know, there, there's no real downside to saying, okay, 
we'll hang on to you a little bit longer. We'll see, you know, if you have more of a resurgence as your, you know, as your body, as your injuries heal, as we've seen, you know, like with Kyle Anderson. Um, but I also, I, like, I don't, I don't really see that there's going to be any other teams clamoring to get him. So I feel like, um, I think it would be a worthwhile investment to, to see it out. Cause I mean, you're, you're not going to end up in the Chandler Parsons kind of situation here, you know, where, you know, you, you, lock yourself in with this guy for multiple seasons. Um, that being said, at this point with what's left in the season, um, I think it's fine to just go ahead and, and, and sit him if he's, if he's not healthy. Um, I think even as, as casual as I guess they should be about a, a, a playoff run at this point, um, be nice to have, would be fun to watch. And so in that context, there is absolutely no universe in which Justice Winslow should get minutes over Ty Jones. Um, there's no, no universe really where he should get minutes over anybody at this point. Like, I get that you want to see what you have, but now that window has closed. So if you want to hang on to him, see how he goes, you know, like you said, with, with training camp, I don't know if there's going to be summer league or not. Um, I think summer league would be, would be great for justice if, if he were healthy. Um, you know, now I, you know, you, you, you can stick him where he might fit for these last couple of games and, and for the play in. Um, I don't think it hurts you either way, but I don't think that you should prioritize giving him any kind of minutes over the guys who have proven themselves this, uh, this season so far, which is, everybody that's not him or uh, Sean McDermott or um, Tim Frazier, who I completely forgot. <laughs> I saw team. that. You know, <laughs> that like, was funny. Yeah. Like let, let John Contour have those minutes. Right. Let, let him have those. I'm not, I'm not mad about that. It's, um, it's nice that you had the sample size. Right. And, and I think that that's kind of where I land on this. Cause again, because of all the arguments on Twitter, I think that folks think that I think Justice Winslow is some great player. I I like the idea of Justice Winslow, but I also acknowledge and admit that that player hasn't shown up in Memphis yet. Like he played for a little while in Miami. He wasn't consistent in Miami either. But what Justice was in Miami at his best is what the Grizzlies took a calculated risk to trade for. And so far that guy hasn't shown up. So they gave him opportunity, which is what I argued for. And, and I agree with everything you two just said. The opportunity didn't work out. He didn't play the way that he needed to play. And because of that, the time has come. And again, you've given him ample opportunity. It's time for him to be judged based off of the body of work that he's put out there. Is he going to shoot 14% from three the rest of his career? Probably not. That's probably not going to happen. He, he's not going to be in that spot where he's going to struggle so much that he's not going to get up to around 30% or so. He's going to get better. And it comes down to what you think you're able to do in free agency. And we'll talk more about this in the offseason. But if you opt out of Justice Winslow, it makes you more of a player. But at the same time, are you going to be able to bring in a DeMar DeRozan, a Alonzo Ball, you know, all these names that people like to float? Is that realistic, or do you just see what Justice Winslow can do in one last season? And as you guys alluded to, it's not a Chandler Parsons situation because he is not that long of a contract. 
It's a team option this year that they can completely opt out of if they so choose. But if they do opt in, it's just one more season. It's not like they're on the hook for another $90 million or anything along those lines. So it's going to be fascinating to watch play out, as will the games coming up uh, with the play-in. Real quick, I'll get you out of here on this in about 30 seconds or less. Shy, excuse me, Shy, what seed do you think the Grizzlies will head into the play-in tournament with? Uh, nine. Nine? Okay. What about you, Amy? Um. Eight or nine. Um, I, okay. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm feeling very casual about that. Um, sure. To, to get back to the, the, the thing that, that you said about justice, is, as far as that goes, I don't think, you know, I've, it, it's, it's a much lower risk situation, and the stakes right. are a lot lower as far as, like, where this team is. Because at the time, like, the imperative was you wanted to try and get that run while you still had – what was left of the program? I mean, because I mean, let's like you know, let's be real. The 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 grit and grind team that we all loved, when none of them were 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 on you know a I don't want to say twilight of their career, but right, you know, they were the you know collectively the oldest team in the league. It, it, they they were veterans, but they all had things that they did that they did well, and and so that was fine. I don't think there's that sense of urgency right now. You don't have a whole bunch of money invested in him. I don't. I don't think that there's any any harm in picking up the option, because I don't think that there's going to be anybody that'll give you more for him in free agency. The idea of what Justice Winslow could be at a time when it would actually matter, I think it's worth it to 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 take that risk for you know next season at least. I support that completely. I agree. You said eight or nine. I'm going to go with nine, too. I'm going to agree with Shy. I think they're going to head into it. They'll play the Spurs. They'll beat the Spurs, and then they're either going to have to knock off Steph or LeBron to get into the playoffs. That's that's my prediction heading into next week. Sharon, Shy Brown, Amy, thank you guys so much for joining me on the show this week. It's appreciated. We'll have you back on down the road. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For Sharon, for Amy. I'm Joe. Make sure you subscribe to the GBB Podcast Network, starting five, core four, three, and D, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeart, however you get your podcasts. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that fun stuff about our podcast. And of course, making Beyond the Arc as well as grizzlybearblues.com part of your play in process. It's almost here, ladies and gentlemen. Playoff or postseason, maybe, is the best way to put it. Basketball in Memphis. Again, thank you to Shy. Thank you to Amy. I'm Joe Mullinex, Brian Forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.